0: A deep dish pizza.
1: You want to know the truth? Yes, I have. Were we, you were we, you were lying this whole time? <laughs> I have. I just don't
0: like it. <laughs> but we just ordered one. I know. Whatever. It it's your birthday, dude. It's not. It's your birthday. Yeah,
1: but you just won the freaking match.
0: That doesn't make Whoa! it.
1: My birthday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're not going to have a voice for the rest of this episode. My throat's uh, been sore for like three days. It was awesome. Our squad was great. They were calling impacts, so I didn't have to. It was awesome. We had a lot. Of, well, you had a lot it of was impacts. A really, it
0: was a good, it was a really cool squad.
1: Yep. No, we have 10. We had nine or 10 because one guy didn't show
0: so I think we had nine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's funny. We you, Todd. Yeah, Todd. We got to say <laughs> your name a lot, Todd. Todd's not here. That's what we got to say. That was his last name. Not here. Yep. <laughs> um, no man, it was cool. We just got back from the Hoosier Hellfire. Well, no, we're not back. We just well, pulled ju- out of the. Yeah,
1: we're leaving. Yeah, we pulled off the range, off the
0: farm. Yeah, we're still cooling down from the Hoosier Hellfire. Core yeah. temperatures are being reduced via Arby's <sighs> ice cream snacks. Jamoka, is that what this was? Yeah, a little coffee, a little bit of chocolate. Oh, I didn't even know that. I've just been down in it. Well, you were already down yours. <laughs> that yeah. was fast. Um, no, it was a super. It was a fun venue. We've been there before. We've shot it in the past. And they made a lot of improvements to the range, to the facility. Um, you know, Shout out to Adam and Fred for putting on a stellar match. Um, range owner.
1: Um, yeah, we'll just you. say thank you. I, I thank ran you. into him in the bus yeah. yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday morning. And uh, he was stealing the radio out of the bus. He said, man, I had somebody come in for a repair on their bus, and the the two-way radio's not working. And he was in there at like 6.15 a.m. Uh, just gutting the radio out of that bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking it back to fix the other bus. It's cool, but it was it was a great batch, great venue for what they did. You know,
0: it's it highlights some of the challenges with being a new match and a new venue, and just trying to overcome things that you don't expect to have as a match director. You know, you set up a course of fire, and you're
1: like, this is going to be good, and then you have beans grow. Did four you know in that days. soybeans can grow two to four inches <laughs> overnight when it just rains and it's ninety four degrees outside? Like we were hearing these soybeans grow, like we could see them and hear them yeah it was awesome it was pretty wild. it was interesting um
0: you know it was and it was cool because it man I'm legit there were multiple stages where i'm like i don't know if we can see these targets i think this stage might get thrown out and you had to battle through it because you don't know whether it's going to get thrown out you just think i don't know if i can see it and everybody shot the same condition at some point you had targets on virtually every stage that were right at the limit of these little beans so between some of the humidity and the visibility, the wind, I mean, it was a very challenging match, not only for target acquisition, but just trying to figure out how close to the foliage were you shooting? Was it affecting your wind calls? Was it affecting your line of sight? From there, if you missed low, like you had to learn, you had to hedge your bet. If you missed high, you th- you might have seen something. If you missed low, probably not.
1: Well, was a perfect example of why you should get your binoculars off your tripod and kind of crouch down into the shooting position. You're not allowed to touch the props or get on the props or anything, but this match, every single stage we were down at the firing height trying to see what the line of sight would be and kind of visualize what it would be like once we got on a rifle. And there was two stages I can think of that we double-stacked bags because we were just thinking that extra six inches of height is going to allow us to see maybe 20% more of the target. And I'm not joking. There were targets that were 50% obscured. And you know it's a circle. It's a 10-inch circle, um, and you see it look as like a half-moon type thing, and you know, hey, if I aim at that water line, it's still going to hit the center of the target, or even if it hits below, the people spotting are going to see it because they're standing, you know? Yep. So, But it made it really hard because that means you're shooting right through the ground layer mirage, which is pretty wicked. Which is something we've talked about in the past, that it it can affect your point of impact. And we were, I mean... Wait, before you say anything, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm oh, really no, sorry. I didn't want to be rude. I think we should stop doing this podcast and stop giving away all of our ideas and secrets because it's getting too hard to win these damn matches. You were about to say something. And I want to just. Yeah, it's well, we can we can detour on this. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I'm no, just saying you're not.
0: Like, you're not wrong. We'll just start making them. It's getting so hard. $400 to an episode. Yeah. We'll start the bidding. We'll start the bidding at $10 an episode. Oh, man. Um. No, there's been a lot of people. It was really cool. Thank you to everybody who's listening, um, coming up to us and saying hi, saying thank you. Uh, two dozen, maybe more people this batch. Oh, yeah. I mean, every day it was somebody, thank you. And honestly, that means the world to us because we spend time driving and then it's not just the recording time, it's the editing time, the posting time, and, and then just trying to come up with new ways to kind of help. What What have we seen? What has caused us issues? What do people want to learn? There is more time involved than maybe it seems. Um, It's not just press record and it's a one-to-one. It's more like a
1: two-to-three-to-one. So thank you. Easily. Yeah, Yeah. easily. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just saying it's been on my mind this whole weekend because I did did something that I don't normally do this weekend and I was like, I'm kind of feeling under the weather. I'm still feeling, I don't know if you can hear my voice, but I'm still feeling a little bit weird. Um, You know, I, I didn't really totally get sick i just just kind of feel drained and got a sore throat all weekend so um anyway hopefully that's passed but it just was uh that temperature that heat that humidity um you know it didn't it didn't help me but i don't think it also i don't think it hurt me i mean i think you were right on the limit i could tell a lot of stages
0: you were even this morning you know the second day two day one i could tell you were staying with it kind of hydrated just getting a little whipped towards the end but this morning, when you're like, man, my blood is boiling.
1: <laughs> yeah, I literally like, felt. I didn't feel that bad, and the sun was barely up. It was like eight in the morning, Yeah, I was yeah, like, eight, oh eight, my god, god. god, I'm already putting like the the chilly neck thing it's like on your second rack. stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like wow. Anyway, but, that's just a side note, but um, not trying but, to make but, excuses. That's it's just said, You got to work through that. You're, uh, you know,
0: you're something when you say,
1: you know, these matches are getting hard to win.
0: This season, uh, I've had now four thirds, uh, actually three thirds in PRS, I believe in. To, uh, or one was at night force so night force is a little different so three-thirds um, and a lot of them are, i mean the the wins are right there to be had however the reason i'm bringing this up is how good the field is from new shooters um man i'm gonna look up his name i'm, I'm sorry i've i've only met him one other time um second place at this match. austin mcgee austin mcgee yeah, yeah there yeah. we go austin finished second
1: yeah, and he, he was, was up there both days, and I had a correct. conversation with him. I'm like, dude, that is so awesome! You're up there and you stayed there. That is the hardest thing to do. Seeing yourself oh, in the top five after the first day, as a new shooter and as the you know your first time you do that, and then be able to hold on on and like actually turn it up on yep. day two, like that's dangerous. It <laughs> that was his second <laughs> pro match. Uh, I feel like I shot with him before. He, this was his times.
0: second two day, his second PRS pro match.
1: Okay, well, congrats to awesome man. That's he what he, he came it. up and told Good me that right man.
0: after we were taking photos um, yeah congrats man that's stellar I would have loved to have been in a squad to see yeah. it yeah that um, was cool so all that said shooters are getting a lot better and so I think this is a I feel like you sort. have
1: something to do with that well <laughs> we have you to did too yeah, yeah I feel and, like we have something to do with that and
0: it's not just us I mean it's everybody giving back on the sport Andy's giving training JTAC is doing training and they're the entirety of the top level of prs is doing are doing things to help people get better and learn quickly because if we're helping pull people up from the bottom and beginners to the top um, then that means we have to learn new challenges new skills to get better and faster that means the sport grows but this brings in the two-edged sword it's as the top and as let's call it newer shooters become faster uh, and better quicker it means that some of the newer shooters who don't have access or don't necessarily know how to get going may struggle
1: or Orby, um, be like really intimidating yeah
0: even more so than they you know probably already are I remember what it was like for me and man I, to be blunt I don't know how well I would have been received uh, in the PRS how well I would have received PRS showing up now it's such a different sport and it's so competitive um, but that said I think I
1: still would have gone for the challenge but it's it is vastly different than it was yeah, I mean, we had, we said it at the beginning, we had a great squad. Like, we had everybody from first place to probably mid Joe and Paul. Joe and Paul. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and they even shot great. I mean, they, they, did. they were great. And they were great squad mates. They were very helpful. Uh, I just wanted to say that, like, everybody, there's something for everybody in these matches. And in this match specifically, I feel like it was pretty much, like, perfect. It had some difficult movement stages it had some smaller targets but most of the targets were really fair and that half half a mil range um one of the two dimensions was half a mil for the most part on yeah. all the targets and it, i don't know i felt like every stage i needed to take it seriously but also aside from the van stage and possibly the bus stage like those two were were uh, very tough for me but um Aside from those two stages, like every stage is very well balanced. And the time hack of a minute 45 was, was I think, perfect for this force yep. fire, especially based on how hard it was to acquire the targets. And some of them were partially obscured. And, and I don't think the obscuring thing was the issue. I just think it made it look different than when you were spotting. You would sit there and spot for four to five people, and then you would get on the gun and you'd be like, I can't find the target because it doesn't look the same and you're only two feet below what you were spotting from
0: yeah that was something one of my takeaways from i want to say the first when we shot this we had that was it a cougar stage there was something where we had to shoot an animal in the back left corner off of the stairs and by the time you got to the lowest position like a cougar in a corner or something like that um i couldn't find it and i timed out trying to find this match uh it was this was this one yeah frostbite the beginning of the year there were stairs
1: this match then
0: um It was either frostbite or bomber run. It might have been bomber run now that I think about it. But same point. The point being when you get to positions and you're not checking, if you're not checking every single target from approximately the height, I mean, you can tell when the the target's gonna look call it this completely unobscured and normal from your vantage point from spotting versus the target. Even if you like you think you're one hundred percent sure, take the time, walk to the prop, even if it's just with an eyeball look at the eye level from your prop and sort of quickly go yep i can assess i can see target one from that position target two yep there's nothing and if you go i'm not really sure grab your binos grab something and get a quick reference point to make sure you know if that spot is a viable position there were a few that were not possible yeah you had and they were generally they were pretty good about saying hey don't shoot here because you can't see the target
1: yeah, but, and a newer shooter would think, oh, I just can't find the target. I just can't find the target. Well, nobody no. could. <laughs> no, Nobody could possibly find the target from that position. So yeah, don't put yourself in that situation. And most matches, that's not a thing. That's not a a variable. But I think that if you start taking it seriously mm-hmm. um, on all of them, then you, uh, then you will absolutely not get burned by it ever. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, it is, it is a skill that you should start adding early in your sequence of PRS. If you're newer to the sport and you're trying to find, hey, what are the low-hanging fruit, target acquisition and making sure that just the positions you're shooting from have visible lines of sight and you understand the reference point to go from 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 mm-hmm. or 5, whatever yeah. they are. That skill will <laughs> it'll turn you into um, an awesome McGee. Yeah, <laughs> because you won't struggle to find targets. He was three points back of me. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think and you dropped what nine all day. I oh, nine all weekend. All weekend. I mean, yeah, yeah. So
1: that's awesome. So and
0: he uh, he was only one back of me. I think yesterday, or one ahead. I don't remember who was. In the, oh no, one back of me. Yeah. So way cool. He had a kick ass day. Um, really proud of him. We had uh, a lot of other shooters. Uh, shout out to uh, Keith. Keith was in the top. I think it was fifth or sixth. Um, uh, no, Keith Allison. was, Keith was Keith third. Was Allison, fourth, right? No, Keith was sixth. Okay. Allison was in fourth or fifth. Um, I'm trying to remember all the scores. Um, Austin was in second. Third place. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was standing to my right in that photo. Now, it's, uh, and apparently the sugar got to me already. You probably I'll shouldn't even start. I'll look him up when we're doing right. But uh, at any rate, it was a cool match. But I actually wanted to talk about I mean, not so much about what I did early on. I wanted to ask you some questions because I am actually really interested in this and we have not talked about it yet. You referenced that you shot at something you did something new this weekend. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to go here right away. Okay. <laughs> cuz I'm excited.
1: What did Why? you shoot this weekend?
0: Why? Because I cuz I I have questions.
1: Okay. Um, so first of all i want to say if anybody doubts that we record on the road because i saw some people post recently that oh wait you guys record in your car yeah we are recording in a <laughs> minivan right now the mini the tactical, <laughs> tactical minivan. minivan we are not joking with we, the little orange golf ball that Chad shot. we, we, we only so we only try to record on the road because that's all the time we have that's kind of the name of the show so miles to matches and from matches uh, so, to answer your question, yes, I did something different. I shot a different caliber. Uh, same exact everything else. So, it really, from an ergonomic interface, it felt very familiar. And uh, once I got my brain to figure out uh, that it wasn't being, you know, tricked by something different. Like, once the, the the switch flipped, it really didn't feel any different to me after, you know, maybe 50, 60 rounds. And I yeah. did all that on Friday. so. Uh, on the train-up day. So, really, when I showed up to the range on Saturday, um, we checked zero and speed, and everything was normal and looked normal. And my mind, like, it, I don't know if this is even what you're asking, but it didn't think of it as a different a different rifle. It was not a different rifle to me. That makes sense. That makes sense well, why I missed on the pro side a lot. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, well, you didn't think of it as a different rifle,
0: but admittedly, I know when I was watching you shoot... It was kind of, It was impressive that it looked, to my eye, no different than your dasher, despite having shot br or br rather. Thing. Yeah, six mil. Despite having seen you shoot that, I also know that it was recoiling more. Yeah. I know that it took more, like in little ways, it took more. It had to track absolutely straight because it just the extra recoil lets it move just a tiny bit more. Yeah. And I know. Um, I guess what I that's what I was actually going to ask, rather than saying I know it. I know what I did with the 300 Norma and what that was like, and that was kind of brutal to have to adjust quickly and just like it took, it felt like I was at 99% effort all the time to hang that thing into the center of a target. Um, Where did you feel this one was? I know you always shoot 100%, so to speak, in terms of effort and intensity, but do do you feel like this one pulled your... Effort levels—you had to push even more. Did it drain you of more energy? Like, I guess, walk me through that.
1: Honestly, I'll say two things to start, and that might spark more uh, discussion. First of all, we're talking about a different caliber. I shot a 25 caliber, 25 by 47, with the burger 135 hybrids and Bitovori uh, N150 is what I was running at about 27 30 feet per second. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I put around that, like charge weight that i'm not going to say what it is just because we don't like to say that kind of stuff on the podcast but yep um everything i put of the n-150 into that case anywhere within five tenths of a grain of powder gave me an sd of like three i I just couldn't screw it up um i tried some other powders from some other places that i had laying around just because i was trying to burn them up and i'm like why am i doing this i'm just going to try n-150 and i tried it and it was awesome actually shout out to brian black he's the one that told me try it here's the charge weight you should kind of be in the zone of and this is my speed and I did that and I was like holy crap this thing has come alive Um, so when I shot it at the match um, I had extreme confidence in its precision and its SD and its longevity for the weekend I I really wasn't doubting any of that I did do one thing though that I didn't tell you about Um, I increased my trigger weight to uh, I normally run 7 to 8 ounces and I ran about 12 ounces and Hmm. What I, it did save me twice. I caught myself kinda trying to snag the trigger a little bit and it didn't go off I'm like, oh, that was stupid. I'm glad it didn't go off and then I pressed through it. Um, I just thought that uh, in the back of my mind, um, if I was going to anticipate recoil, it would be in a crappy trigger press and it would, I probably would just not really notice it in the heat of the moment. So I increased it so that it forced me to actually squeeze through it. If that makes sense. That does make complete sense. And I did that, um, because also because I'm so used to the seven ounce trigger weight, it's easy to anticipate when a trigger is going to break. Cause I know exactly what that feels like, but it's, it's a little bit harder once you start squeezing past that, even if it's only an ounce and it's not breaking and your brain is like, okay, should I keep squeezing? Or is like my safety on, or is something weird going on? And I felt like that was a benefit to me. Um, and then I guess as far as recoil management goes, like it forced me to even be more of a stickler on natural point of aim, making sure my rifle was settled in the bag so that when the recoil impulse did happen, like it was pushing me straight back. That's all I really focused on all weekend. Dude, it makes sense. I watched, I mean, your score,
0: um, we talked about it a little bit you know, offline uh, last night. Or, well, I guess it was sometime today that if you had brought your six mil, you felt your score would have been slightly higher. I think that's true, but I think it's true mainly because of the other reason that we've yeah. t- been talking about, you know, a lot of your misses were upwind, which yeah. is, I mean, you normally miss there, but you don't miss there frequently. Call it on consecutive stages or even within a few different stages, you won't have multiple misses in the same stage. And a couple of times you did it where it was just,
1: it's like you didn't take enough off. Like you had an additional plan and there was no way to come down enough. I, so I have a really good intuition on what I see for Mirage and what my wind hold should be for, for a six six mil 105 yeah i just very intuitive like i can look through the scope and say okay that's four tenths like four tenths will hit the plate somewhere and then i can watch it and make a correction uh i found myself like using my kestrel to get a wind call based on mirage because m- measuring the wind at this particular range wasn't very easy to do because you are the beans are buffering that wind the, the soybeans um they're very like they were like a soft velcro on the ground so we're going to talk more about that after we get through this Okay. Continue because this is a good topic too. But. So, using your kestrel at this place to measure wind is not not that great. It's not I'm not going to say it's worthless, but it's I take it under advisement. I like to I prefer to look at mirage and then uh, back my focus from the target all the way back to me and kind of see what I can see in those different layers. And then I make make a call, say, what is that, like, in full value? And I've shot enough to know that, okay, that's a 2-mile-an-hour, that's a 4-mile-an-hour, that's a 5-mile-an-hour. And I'll tell you, we never had over – I don't think we ever had over a 5-mile-an-hour full value. I think it was more between, like, 3 and 4 because we had an angular wind. But I can just look at the mirage and say, that was three. I know I don't need to go over a three mile an hour wind. So I would put that three in my Kestrel and then see whatever it spit out for these 135 hybrids with that, which have a 330 G7. Yep. And I would say, man, that's like four or five tenths. Like I'm going to round down to four because of the beans and I would shoot four and then I'll miss off the left and I would measure it and I'd be like, man, I needed one, like one tenth left. And it seems silly like to be staring at these targets in this field and be missing them when you could just hold center i think i told somebody at the bank i'm like if i would hold if i would have held center all weekend i would have i would hit five more targets like even if i didn't Minimal. do wind on the windy targets i still would have hit the target on the downwind edge of the target yeah not that the targets were giant they just would have soaked up three tenths of wind yeah two to the, three tenths the, the ones we had that were further generally were wide yeah they were animals yeah. or something similar other than the Ipsics, they were generally wide but i just don't like to go down like that yeah. i don't like to not have a plan and a mental reason for doing something. I'm not just gonna hold center. So this whole purpose, like let's come back to the purpose of this. Why did I even do this? Like in the back of my mind I'm thinking, um, people are trying it, number one. Number two, the finale's in Kansas, which could be windy, and I need to know if there's if I can manage and I can uh you know, get the benefits out of this. It's a it's fifty points of B C. Like Yeah, it's a significant one, amount. The one oh fives are, are at the 275 280 mark and these are at 325 330 mark. So um, but that doesn't do me any good if I'm always um, if I if I don't if I'm not in tune with it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, this is why I wanted to ask the
0: question specifically, you know, did you what were the benefits that you felt you gained? Versus the trade-offs that you made, because I have spent so many rounds with a six mil now, I've shot a lot of Creedmoor, so I know what six five Creedmoor is like. I know what fast sixes are like. I know what slow sixes are like. But jumping right back into say a six five would be a, a it would feel like a dasher to be honest, just to have more shove. Yours, when you're running twenty seven fifty to twenty eight, um, especially with you know the higher BC bullet, it wouldn't necessarily feel like quote dasher. And a lot of the time, like ironically, we ran the same elevation all weekend because I backed my gun down to weird. 2765 to 20 or 2775, something like that. So you're running 2730, 2740. I'm running 2770 approximately. And we just look and with <laughs> the first day train up, I'm like, hey, <laughs> you think we're going to be running the same dope? And you're like, no. I said, uh, no I'm way. I'm like 40 feet per second slower. And I'm like, wait a second. What's your dope at 545 right now? Pop quiz, what's your dope at 545? <laughs> 311, Yeah, we were were both to the hundredth, three point one one. So funny how that works out. Yeah, it was just, um, it was a funny, funny little accident. Um, But that said, the the advantages of changing calibers or trying something, you know, we say to stick to something and don't change, right? But you had to make this was a specific one that we've talked about for two or three months. Hey, I got to try it in a match. I got to try it in a match just so I know whether it's viable. Again, when we're saying we want to know if it's viable, we're saying, can we get through a national-level match against the best shooters that we can compete against and not be giving something up intangible versus the system that we know? In other words, if you had made your Dasher or BR, if you'd shot the BR, I think you would have had a more intuitive sense of, this is going to continue to shoot like blank. And you wouldn't have had that uncertainty. I'm thinking more to like the far right side when we got towards the bus. Is this going to be two-tenths or four-tenths? Because wow, the PRS skill stage, 500 and something yards, 45 yards on a 16 inch or 15 inch, 12 inch circle, whatever the heck it was. Um, I was a little apprehensive, but I knew what I, I knew what the wind on my gun had been. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be a a two, three or a four. I just don't know which Um, from the angle that it was coming from, despite it being between six and nine miles an hour, it was only shooting like a three to five mile an hour. And, I heard the little bit of hesitancy in your voice, like, ah, I don't know, man. And you were trying to hedge <laughs> down to, like, as, like, a, I think it's only going to be, like, a 0.1. Dude, I could have held
1: center and hit it. I I was hitting a little bit right of center with uh, a tenth left, and that's the way the wind was coming. So it probably needed two Two to three left. tenths, yeah. yeah.
0: I used three. I used quarter on center, and it needed 0.35 to stay always center with the gusts and the small angle changes over that time. And I think that was, to me, you know, that was one of the defining kind of moments of, I think this is where trying something new kind of pokes its ugly head out and goes, you really have to commit and you have to be willing to learn very quickly. Oh yeah, if you're not winning, you're learning. And I was learning. Yeah. And I'm excited for to see where this overall will take you because yeah. I think having to retrain good for your me. brain on quick miles per hour and how it changes, what a bullet reacts like in just a stage or two, I think that's the next part of this learning process for you. Like, yeah. Because it was for me with the 300 Norma I had to, I I remember we were standing on train up day, or I shouldn't say train up day. We had to set up the radar, and do ten test shots to make sure it worked. Um, and as we're setting it up, I'm thinking, oh, I got to shoot my rifle. All right, so it's a mile. Uh, it's 24 mile an hour. That should be like, geez, that's like seven and a half to eight mils. And then I and then he's like, what? And Brian, all right, <laughs> Brian kind of looks at me like, what? No way. And uh, and I pull up my Kestrel and I look and I go, dude, I was. Dead on, except that was for a dasher. (laughs) So my mental math was flawless, even in wins that I wasn't sure of, because I just did some quick math and I was within one tenth of the actual value. And I'm like, this is so cool. I know it's like an anecdote because work is completely different, but I completely nailed what I know for my own knowledge of my rifle at distances I never shoot to a mile with a six mil. And yet I called it within one mile per hour of the real value and within one-tenth of the right number, I'm like, this is, this is showing me that all the work that I've put in helps me understand how wind flows, what the mechanics are like, and how to do some quick math. Um, but it took me a long time. Then I'm like, ah, that's not normal. So then I switched to a normal and yeah, it was like four. <laughs> 4.1. That's still um, a lot of mils. Yeah, but that said, the, the adjustment that I had to learn to quickly go, okay, reset. If this equals one mil, now start to use that to your advantage and quickly create some brackets so you know how much you have to shift. I think you went through that today at a really rapid pace, mainly day one, Mm -hmm. because you shot really well day one. Today, we admittedly shot a lot harder stages that, um, I guess this is the second part of my question, which was we, yesterday we shot arguably the easier part of the course of fire, right? We had not easy stages. That's not the right way to say it. It was just, they were more straightforward with fewer gotchas. Right? Yeah. Um, the, today was full of, well, our last three stages, holy crap. Um, last four. The PRS skill stage was 10 positions uh, instead of the normal four. It was at 545 yards, and the target wasn't. Small, but it wasn't huge. It was enough for you to miss if you were trying to get minutes. through 10, uh, 10 seconds. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, this isn't, this is not un- unachievable. In fact, it's quite easy. Let's just go get it done in like 65 seconds. And I dropped one. It was a good press. It just I must have been hitting more right than I thought, and I couldn't see it. But the next stage was a bus shooting a mover for five shots plus a KYL rack that went down to two inches um, at 400.
1: No. I was it, it? it went to four inches at three ninety. It was a one four inches at yeah. okay. So it was a, it was shot out up of at, at the tree line. So it was kind of hard to resolve, but mm-hmm. it was it was a fair target. I think yeah. it
0: was good. It was out of a bus, so you're using the front window in the seat. Then you shot off of three slick hot barrels that <laughs> were through the top of beans. like fifty five gallon drums. Yeah, they yeah. were wicked hot um, and very miragey. Um, there was, was one target
1: that was fully obscured. <laughs> because yeah, there was a weed that grew up overnight. Yeah, so you could see through it like a screen door. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, cool. Yeah, and you it shot it and you funny. still hit it. It's it just funny.
0: Again, it was one of those things like, okay, you had to read through the weed, you know, your target impact.
1: <laughs> Is it rocking left I or right? I had planned, because if you looked at that target, I had, there, only the top third of that Ipsic was shot, and I had planned on shooting at the bottom third so I could see exactly <laughs> what where my wind was hitting. And when and I got in got there, I was like, yeah I can't even see the target (laughs) at all, at all. Like, I saw the hanger, and the weed was, like, the exact width and height of the target. It was wild. Yeah, so, best laid plans.
0: Um, And then the last stage we shot was out of this van. The van was, I would argue, that was the toughest stage. I mean, not even a question. That was the toughest stage of the match, and that was our last stage of the day. So, I guess... The reason I'm
1: bringing up these three stages, I know
0: you had a little bit of a rough go for those. Not that, not the second to
1: last, but definitely the bus and the van. I think yeah, I got a the six two. on the on the bus, and I got a seven out of the van. Which turns out seven was like high end. <laughs> it was awesome. Like seven was high end for that. Yeah, um, I made a small mistake there, um, but and I timed out on the very last shot. I got uh, I got the shot off 0.34 seconds late, and it was an impact. So that didn't count. I would have had an eight, but, eight, yeah. but yeah, I. Uh, I felt like I had a great plan. I would still do it again. I just would do it just 0. 0.34 seconds faster. <laughs> <laughs> point, and and point would, 0, 0.04 seconds faster. Yeah, and at least dial part of your click on the transition. Yeah, it was only two tenths difference, and I didn't dial one of them. So, yeah, yeah I ended up missing one and hitting one before I realized that. So, well, so the my wind I'm, call was good.
0: The reason I'm bringing this, it was good. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm bringing it up is do you feel like the added recoil out of on a moderately unstable positions. We had a few that were not, call it rock solid, rock type positions. Did you feel like the recoil made it more difficult for you to spot your shot, place a good shot in conjunction with your trigger?
1: Do you feel like there was any handicap there? Because this is something I've fought. I will say uh, 98% no. I don't think it affected me. I. I think as a general rule, I don't see a lot of trace, especially when the sun is blasting us in the face like oh. this and it was hazy and, and, and mirage-y. Um, it wasn't great conditions for me to even s- see trace. Um, I don't know if you're leading this question somewhere, but I know there was a stage where I... It wasn't a recoil issue. It was a terrain issue where I second-guessed where I was hitting. Um, and then the field fire type targets in these beans. If you don't Mm -hmm. see trace, like you don't get any real feedback. They just get sucked up in the soy. So I really, I would like to say no, but maybe, you know, one or two points maybe, um, because I couldn't make a great read, but I don't know. I, um, yeah. I don't feel like it helped me back. I have zero regrets about it, to be quite honest, because I had to I had to force myself to do it if I was going to ever try it. So, so the reason I'm asking these is these
0: specific questions is mainly to kind of put the listeners in a little bit in your shoes and kind of a little bit of forewarning, fair warning, you know, trying new calibers, specifically the new like six five, go big, go home type trend. Um, it is not necessarily unachievable, however. Bigger calibers exploit things much faster. So if you were, let's call it not an amateur, not a novice, but not call it all the way to where you want to be, you're not competing in the top five, top 10, top 20 all the time. You're sort of somewhere in the middle. Changing the caliber isn't going to get you there. It's not. <laughs> it's, it is absolutely not. It isn't going to help you with the 50 points of BC. I, I mean, you and I talked about it multiple times Saturday evening why the hell do I have 50 points of BC and we shoot the same wind call more often than not? Well, I'm like, that's a good question. And I can't say that the answer is... the Part of it is because of the lag time, right? Wind deflection happens as a result of how much lag or drag there is in a vacuum, how
1: much... Call the well, this wasn't a long-range match. I mean, Correct. the longest target was sure. two targets and they were 900 yards. So, yep. Um, like I said, this was a testing thing for me and I don't, like I said, I don't regret the... I don't regret doing it um but i definitely know for a fact that it wasn't the right caliber for the for this specific match but i just it, it was a low the the right caliber for this time it was a low risk match yeah. for me i mean we got an ag cup match coming up in two weeks i'm sure not going to try anything new there um we got war rifles coming up and that's, that's was on the back match. of my mouth yeah. my mind and i'm thinking man this this actually could help me there so um I don't know. It was pretty good. I mean, I finished in the ninety-four well, percent of you. So
0: you had Hundred and eighty one. hundred eighty-one, one hundred eighty-one impacts. So yeah, 10 you got back. ten more than me. Yeah, and that's not much. I mean, when you spread that over the course of a match, and you really had it was six, was it six points, seven points, seven points, seven on on those points two on two stages. Yeah. So, um,
1: I mean, I was really impressed with how well you were shooting that damn thing because it was uh, shooting well. And it, let's go back to the wind thing. Um, I even after day one, when I was holding so much less wind than you guys, uh, and we're only talking two tenths, but two tenths out of four tenths is pretty significant in my book, yeah. you know. And so I'm like, I'm gonna go check my zero. Maybe my <laughs> maybe my zero is two tenths left or at least a tenth left. And I shot five shots in the same ragged hole, and it was point of aim. And I'm like, okay, well now I know I can trust it. And this goes back to the yeah. thing we've said all the time. Check your stuff. Check your zero. Check your speed. You need to know that these things are good so that you can learn from it. Like, if you're shooting the perfect round and you know that it is the perfect round, you can learn from it. But if you have uncertainty in where your bullets are landing based on where you're aiming, you can't learn from it. You can't learn the wind. You can't learn positions. You can't learn anything.
0: It's hard to rule out an uncertainty as being the cause when something that
1: can be certainly known isn't checked. Is yeah, verified? It's impossible. Yeah, and I mean, we check. it's frustrating, and people, people yeah. get really frustrated with that, and just go back to basics. Uh,
0: I mean, I have now, I'm come to the terms of the idea that my velocity never stays the same. It's gonna move around, it might only be two to three feet per second. It might be 20, but it will change, and you don't know when it's gonna change. So, you have to just adapt to what you see on target. If you miss a shot high that's perfectly stable, hedge a little bit with your zero offset hedge a little bit with your speed until it lines up just at least a little bit better we've said it before like the half correction style method try to get closer to where you need to be um i did that all weekend and i was starting to think towards the end of the day day two end of the day today i'm like hi i think i'm running a little quick i'm gonna start rounding down and i'm gonna bump this again but i'm glad i did i mean it would have in fact like i missed one shot on that uh second bobcat then i'm like hmm the gun acted a little funny, but I thought, yeah, maybe I am a little high. So I favored just another half-tenth, tenth lower impact fine. So, again, when you have to track a lot of variables, trying a new caliber, switching to something because you get here of all the, you know, the pros are all going to 6.5s. They're all shooting heavier bullets, high BC bullets. That's not what gets it done. We, we've already taken the time to master... All of our sk- fundamentals and skills around perfect mpa perfect trigger presses, learning to watch shots, learning to read splash, reading mirage, um, having a good intuition about what's about to change or when something is changing. You need to have that same intuition with something. Doesn't matter whether it's a six-five or a six mil, but stay there until you can. And I was just going to say, you know, I think you would have probably not dropped those shots with your dasher or with your BR. rat I keep saying that. With your, with your BR. 105 hybrids with yeah 105s yeah just because <laughs> hey that's you know you it's god's bullet according to you um <laughs> but uh it i think you would have just been a little bit more comfortable i watched you settling the gun in the bag and you looked like normal uh in fact but i watched you do it more far more meticulously than i've seen you do it in a, in a while i've seen you take some time but in this case it was like you were it was longer through the shot spot what happened Make a correction, resettle the gun, and it seemed like your cadence was ever so slightly slower, yeah, but you were working harder. That was my perception, having watched you all weekend. And I know when I shot that Norma, I know when I shoot my six five in practice, it feels like I'm putting out a far a higher level of effort in order to maintain the same level of precision all the time um, because it's so easy to go like just half a minute left or right or high or low, just because the gun, maybe isn't perfectly settled
1: yeah so i think it's good to like you train with the 6.5 i think it was good for me to maybe just get into that zone of being meticulous about that those steps because you can get pretty lax when you're hitting targets all the time (laughs) dude
0: this was the most this was arguably as stressful as the ag cup for the last few stages for me and i'm not sure i think i am sure why the stages themselves i knew i was close to the top i knew i was probably in or tied for the lead but we shot the four hardest stages we could other than one at the end of the match and so i knew it was probably going to be mine to lose not mine to win um so to speak and that said it was close it came down to the wire i cleaned the bus and that was that was the one that was finally like okay i can breathe but i'm not kidding you if i go back and check the stress on my watch i guarantee you there is a massive spike at approximately 210 when we started that stage the van the, no the, the bus that would have been oh, like, 100, like 110 there the van was even worse the van was a long walk followed by like thinking about the van
1: and just go, i was more worried about the bus than the van yeah the bus I, ended up being really bus, easy. bus are tough you said it was easy it ended up being really easy like I, for me it, it felt. easy i thought it me. felt
0: very easy i was far more put off by the bus or the van rather the van I'll say, I guess, let's just go through these quick stages and where the chuckles are in case you happen to run into these props in the future or you're going to shoot them. The bus, we shot out of the back left, call it the rear door, um, out the window and the seat. You had to go side window. side window. Using
1: the back of the seat for a rear support. Yep.
0: So yep. you shot five movers out of that at 545. We had a wind that you couldn't feel, but it was from full value. So it was going anywhere from zero tenths because it was just spindrift, maybe a tenth. Um, to about a half a mil. We just finished a stage where I think I could have easily benefited from point 0.4. Um, you look at some flags down range, out the window, before you start, you can see them. Once you're shooting, you can't see any of them. And you're inside a bus, so you can't feel any wind. You can only look at the dust coming off the targets. <coughs> Make five on a mover, move all the way to the other end of the full size bus and go shoot out the front window or very close to the front exit window at a KYL rack that goes down to like four inches which again oh it's only one MOA off of the springy seat cushion of a bus and out the window so it was not easy but the strategy we used worked really really well right bag on the window uh, a little flat bag on the top of that that was only because we needed more height because of how high the the seats were relative to the windows and then kind of a thin bead based bag behind our buttstock
1: and good to go it was good to go for you but it was not good to go for me i i could not get the wobble out i i had wobble for sure i was i ended up wobbling
0: around the entire small plate my wobble zone was approximately that entire plate yeah um but i kept waiting until my dot was just circling somewhere around the outside left side of the plate i'm like okay i just thought it's stuck over
1: there (laughs) i just thought of something what's that I'm pretty sure all the wobble came from the seat pack. I should have pushed the rifle all the way into the window instead of having it balanced more on the fore end, like farther out on the fore end, because oh. that puts more weight on the seat. Agre- agreed. I should have went all the way to the magwell, and I'm just basically barely moving the buttstock and or supporting the buttstock, and that would have been probably far less wobble than what I had. Yeah. I, I what pulled did you my, do? I pulled my back to approximately underneath my foregrip. My finger grip, so midway across your chest. midway, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that we get in the bus next time. That's what I'm going to experiment with because I think that a lot of that, whenever you have to support a weight uh, of anything, your body or your rifle, uh, that's with something that's not solid. That's where the wobble zone comes from. And yeah. Those seats were soft, and we had a bag on top of a soft seat. So, and that's, I think that probably was the most of my problem because I couldn't get it out. Not even in the. I couldn't get it out of the back. I couldn't get it out of the front position. Interesting. I, I think we should get trigger cams and do some work on that next time. Well, I place don't need a trigger cam to tell you that my wobble zone is atrocious. I know, I know atrocious. that, but with
0: different, with different approaches, because I agree with you. I was really trying to figure out where can I put more of the weight on something that's rigid. So I did pull my bag back. It was all the way forward. I moved it not quite halfway so that I could try to get more of the balance towards the rifle on the window, and I was just using the bag without... Just to stop wobble or stop, uh, yeah. You know, for some I rear think support, that's the way to go. Yeah, um, but the same thing also on like, well, anytime we use a support bag in a t- rear tripod. I've been really working. I used tripod more this match than I have the entire season, uh, which was twice, <laughs> well, three times if you count the stage where we had to use them. Um, but it was a, I had to constantly work to where do I put the support bag? Where am I placing my rifle? And I really, really, really enjoyed. The last stage we shot off the barrels because we used the shmedium or the pint size, uh, excuse me, shmedium slash plus ones on the barrels, not attached to the rifles, just set down, put the rifle in it. Yeah. And when I saw you shooting it, I'm like, I think this is going to be good because most of the weight of the rifle can be on the bag. It'll act natural, but I can use this tripod just to stop wobble. And then once I'm on it, just shimmy, shimmy, done, bang.
1: Yeah, it manages the recoil really straight because the bag's not attached to the rifle. So yeah. the recoil impulse just slides straight back. So I do like cool. doing that as long as it's not going to hinder me with time. And that was a stage that only had three positions. So just throwing the bag on a prop, setting your rifle on the bag, and then using tripod rear. Sometimes attaching the stuff to your rifle and all kinds of other crap just makes it uh, more difficult. But it's probably just because you don't train with it as much as you do the other stuff. So Yeah. I think uh this is i'm glad we talked this through because i have some ideas that i'm gonna mess with like you just said and i think it'll make us both better for messing with it yeah the um the other thing that i noticed with the bag on there and
0: moving it it's it was easier to level the rifle we talked briefly about this easier you can just it feels like the rifle is just on a bag and you just happen to have a tripod here. you just stop it from moving when you need it to absolutely be dead still yeah that was cool so i liked all of those attributes of it um, I did hear you say on my very first one like when I started out of the Connex box um, beep and I go you said, you said turn around to, I think you were talking to Hunter you don't see this very often which one?
1: <laughs> when we shot the Connex box because oh, yeah. I grabbed the tripod and you're like Really? You gonna no, use it? Actually, what I said was, you can tell he doesn't do this very often because oh. you were fumbling, trying to get in there, holding on to a <laughs> tripod and your bag, and starting your timer. You could just tell that you did not have a plan for starting the stage with a oh, timer and man. all that stuff. In I your hand. hate starting with tripods. It just <laughs> doesn't work. They're just, yeah. It
0: was worth it. Um, you heard me say that though. I did That's just funny. out of the corner of my ear, and like you don't see this often. That's all I heard is you don't see this no. often. Actually, picking, what I said was. I,
1: you can tell he doesn't do this very often. It was more of an insult than what you heard. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Stabbing <laughs> me in the front. I see how it goes. Um, well, the funny thing is both of them are equally
0: this true. Yeah, they're <laughs> important. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't see that often. I don't like to use tripod rear. Um, but I will say it's still something that I know I need to get better at it. We used it there. We used it out of a, um, out of a truck thing. And it wasn't a truck. It was like a what trailer.
1: trailer. Yeah, yeah, we
0: had to get. And that was actually a rear, like, Tack table style. We used it off of just tripods, literally just shooting off of tripods with a ball head and a plate. And we shot it from the barrels. And then even you guys went so far as to use it in that damn van, which surprised the heck out of me. But that was to me the hardest stage of the match. I
1: Prom. got through it
0: though. I know you did. And it was surprising. And I don't know that I ever want to learn how to go through it. Because <laughs> that one, it just looked and it sounded like the amount of dead time, like beep, engage, and then. I could have played the Jeopardy song and probably answered like the Daily Double
1: multiple times. And well, then this I heard, goes back to a couple things boom. because we we need to mention um, we we all shot we all shot the um, hold on. I got, there's a guy with a trailer next to me. Wow, oh, he's trying to merge. <laughs> it's a Jeep with a, it's trailer. a baby on board. Um, we we all took into that Connex a tripod and shot out those windows and, and did pretty well. Um, And then Jason Bars, our buddy, goes in there without a tripod and cleans it. And we had this discussion um, right after that stage. And, man, I'm not trying to convince people to use stuff that they're not familiar with. It comes down to the point that you need to know what's best for you. Yep. And be very good at it. And you've been very good at just using a bag for a long time. But I've also been pushing on you for over a year to practice tripod because I feel like it's just... It's just that little thing. If you have that level level of comfort with it, it will help you one time out of 50. And that one time, will might, it might just win you the match. But you need to be very comfortable with it. It could have. Yeah, and I was puncture. glad that Jason didn't use it and he cleaned the stage. And we both had the discussion after it. Jason and I both cleaned the stage. And we were like, man, I'm glad I did it that way. <laughs> and we both did it different. So just yeah. know what your body and what your gear and what your abilities are best at and then roll with that don't let somebody convince you into a different method even if it looks great and that's exactly where I wanted to go with this because the exact same thing in the van
0: you guys use the tripod rear I saw that in my last stage like I just have to get through this stage and then I hear the RO hey guys welcome to this stage by the way the highest score is usually like a two here uh, so good luck (laughs) everybody's timing out legit no bullshit Every single person prior to me timed out. Every single one before I'm like, okay, really? I just watched every person in our squad, everyone, time out, and they're getting to, like, shot five.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. And so
1: I'm looking at this. Well, that's th- an easy decision to make, though. Well, like, if you're already not comfortable with the tripod and you say time timing out, don't use the tripod.
0: But this is the thing. I know it is for me. This is not going to be an easy decision for people who are listening to this and thinking... Everybody else is using a tripod. I have to use a tripod. If you see a piece of gear and you start to go, Oh, I don't know about this, you should probably default just put an asterisk, check mark, question mark, big highlighter, whatever in your matchbook. Practice whatever the thing is that you're uncomfortable with that you're not going to do, and then the do the time. thing that you're comfortable doing because it could cost you the match if you try it. I, I almost did it, but I'm like, You know what? That floor is uneven, is woo woo, and it's undulating prone is hard enough because of the way that the floor there was like literally a rusted spot where the floor had caved in in two different spots so when you laid in it you had a huge bucket your bag was going to lay in and i wasn't even sure if my bipod was going to be the right height could i see the targets in the first place uh let alone setting up a tripod and then having to fumble with that so i'm like i'm just going to go default to i am great with a rear bag and putting a bag on a prop and shooting the smallest targets that have ever been shot i'm not concerned i'm gonna roll the dice on this and then i got done i got a nine and yeah, he's like barely it's cool. right at the timer it i had less than half a second i wonder what timer. took you so long because i don't
1: i was thinking the same thing about you there's a lot of dead dead space like that you weren't shooting. getting in the getting into it and you forgot to load your mag you were ready I to fire I was, and you forgot your mag. oh i know that burned eight seconds i watched that happen um, for some reason i i was like whoa that that made me put my mag in as the soon as first, I dropped my rifle down. The first thing I did well, and I, I thought the same thing. I'm like,
0: okay, cool. I even pulled my mag up, made it a little looser so it was ready to go. And I thought, okay, set the rifle, load the mag. Set the rifle down. Oh, my bags are all screwy. Okay, get on target. Skip that step. And then, oh, mag. You put okay. it in quick, but I was surprised that you forgot that. Yeah, I was too, to be honest. <laughs> but that said, when I got done and he said, yeah, like I don't think anybody's had higher than a 7 today. I'm like, okay that's awesome somebody cleaned it not today
1: oh it was yesterday yesterday
0: yeah yeah so I don't know man I uh well you uh, you, uh, you did awesome yeah it was it was a really good match but look when the when the top if you look through the scores in this match and you reference this from the podcast go back through and look at prac, uh, not practice score but look at either online through the points or through ultimate ballistics and just go check how many points there are between one through 10 20. That's not many it's one or two points between every single position so if this isn't a good indication as to why every single point every decision you make stacks one of those points can could mean the difference between you winning a match but for us it's the end of the season is that enough for me to get as many points as i can so i can have a chance at a bullet yep. hopefully so um there's one thing i wanted to touch on before we wrap this one because we're getting close to our we do have to wrap it up Heat's destination um wind you mentioned earlier yeah the the terrain and how it was playing havoc with our wind calls soft vegetation especially tall foliage like grass leaves in this case the beans let wind go through them but they really are turbulent in terms of letting the wind slow down so when wind is turbulent across the top of those beans it means it slows down in the beans but it tumbles just around the top and it creates this sort of dead layer of air that's much slower Then the air just a foot above that. Then a foot above that, it's faster yet. A foot above that, it's faster yet. Until you get some amount above all of it where it acts normal and it's laminar. When you get into these conditions, like we saw it right away and we're like, oh yeah, this should shoot like 0.4. Nope, 0.1. Even though you can measure it all day long, your Kestrel isn't wrong. It's just wrong at the height you're
1: measuring. Yeah, so... People are standing behind the firing line with their arm as high as they can reach it. I'm like, but well, that's not where your bullet's going to be, like literally. So yeah, none of this was long range. So as soon as I see that happening, I'm like, oh, that's that's probably not going to go well. Well, and it happened to you at the corn at M- MTC when you shot that match oh. up north. Same way. Yeah, I won that match, but the th- the difference is like I learned that on the very first bullet. I measured the wind, and I saw. I thought this is going to be uh, six or seven tenths hold. I shot the bullet. I measured it and it was three tenths, and then I put that back in my kestrel for three tenths. Reverse it into a wind call. I used that the rest of the day. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it was uh, it was a learning moment, and I, I transferred that over here. I just think I needed to round down more because of the bullet.
0: Yeah, I think it was.
1: I think it was bullet.
0: I mean, I was doing as high a measurement as I could, simply so I could keep what am, what am I feeling because we're going to feel the faster stuff but what is it shooting like when it's like that? So I was trying to keep track of, I'm measuring five, six, seven, eight, nine, five, six, seven, eight, nine, four, 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 five, eight, nine, nine, nine. But nobody is, the effects downrange don't match what I'm seeing with what I'm measuring. So I was just using those constantly to hedge back and forth. In other words, not get it when like you see people yeah this is more for everybody listening when you see people holding especially like the guys at the top if they're holding up their kestrels they may not be actually trying to measure the wind for the reason you think they're trying to measure the wind maybe i know multiple times i was just getting a number to get a number i was going to shoot the same thing regardless i just needed to know what it looked like and what it felt like so that i could have a, a limit on if until it gets to this i'm not going to change my hole hmm. um But at any rate, I measured six or seven miles an hour. So, you know, an eight-tenths that I only shot to four a couple times. So I know you did the same
1: thing. But Right. Well, we're going to get off at our exit here and get one of these side deep dish things. So, wait a second. Let me just get this
0: straight. You have had deep dish pizza before, and you really don't like it? I've been to Chicago. I know. That's why I was so perplexed. I'm like, (laughs) how can you not have had this? I just don't want to tell you that
1: you can't get it. You didn't want it to let me down easy. I get it. I know. But where did you get it before? Do you remember? I don't know. Some famous place in Chicago. Was it Giordano's? It probably was, it probably to be quite honest. It can't be. It probably was. Oh. Yeah. now no, it's not my birthday anymore. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to eat driving in a, in a car. We'll just say that. It's a fork and knife type of meal at that point. Well, we're going to figure it out. It I'll shall it be out. solved. I'll try it. At least you let me pick the toppings. Pepperoni, mushroom. Those are good topping choices. Yep. Very consistent. All right, man. Well, congrats again. That Thanks, was buddy. awesome. Congrats to Pachoo. everybody at, at, at the match that pulled out a, some hardware and and to everybody else that progressed their learning. Because if you're not if you're not winning, you're learning, right? Yep. I'm right. it every day, man. Yep. Because the match has already started. You know it.